Grace and peace are yours. They are free gifts. They become yours as the Holy Spirit enables you to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, your Lord and Savior. Amen. Please be seated. So I don't know if you, you picked that up from the song that we were singing a moment ago, but each one of the candles that we light on the Advent wreath stand for something. We first have the candle for hope and then the candle for peace. And this week we light the candle for joy. And I'm going to razz Bill again. I'm still feeling a little ripped off that the candle's not pink. Because even before I could count, the pink candle meant that Christmas was getting close, right? The pink candle told me it was just one week away. And that pink candle kicked off what I believe is the longest week of the year. Because if you're a kid, that week never gets any shorter. It's always a full seven days. And if you're a parent, it never gets any longer. It's always a full seven days. Because what happens if you're a kid is you're waiting to open up all the presents. And you're excited and you're seeing them getting stacked underneath the tree. And you're wondering which ones are for you. Because if your parents were smart like mine were, they didn't label them right away. They put like some code on them so we couldn't like shake them lest we break something. And if you're a parent, you're trying to jam a month worth of to-dos into one week before the family rolls into town, before you're entertaining, before everyone gathers around. You want to get it all done so you feel like you can relax, so you feel like you can enjoy. And what happens to you as an adult is you're trying to do all this stuff instead of you know, kind of resting at the end of the day, you kind of collapse from all of the exertion. And so joy seems a bit ironic. Yeah, yeah joy is, is something that we all want. And this, this week can kind of bring out that bah humbug because we're just so overwhelmed, so exasperated. But we want joy. Those words uh, from Paul have always caught me. Rejoice always, pray unceasingly, give thanks in all circumstances, for that is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice. Rejoice. How do we as followers of Jesus find that joy? Especially at this time of year when the to-do list gets longer. How do we find joy? You know, I think John the Baptist was a joyful guy. Maybe a little bit too much hellfire and brimstone for me, but I think he was a joyful guy. And I think that interaction that, that is in the beginning of John's gospel is just so interesting. Because I'm thinking that, the, that what we get there, what's written down, isn't the entirety of the interaction. You know, I imagine these guys questioning him for 20 or 30 minutes trying to figure out who he is. And John's just toying with them. And they keep asking him questions, and he's just, nope, wrong again. Try again. Nice try, but no good. And this is, these are the type of people that if you lived in that time and in that place, these were people that you didn't want to mess with. Because they reported to the Jewish leaders who hold, like, all the cards in that ancient society. These were the ones that controlled everything. And if they said you were out, you were out. And so these priests and these Levites come out to question John. Uh, to challenge him, to, to woo him, to interrogate him, to question him. And does it bother John? Not at all. 
The only answer he gives them is this cryptic answer from Isaiah the prophet. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And these guys are just going, what is going on here? This guy is doing things that we don't expect. And John, John's just John. And so what is it about John that allows him to um, deal with these people that could scare him, that could unthrone him in such a whimsical, playful, joyful way? I think it's that John knew who he was and who he wasn't. Because John was a leader. He was the one that God had sent to prepare the way for Jesus, his cousin. John knew who he was and who he wasn't. He doesn't pull any bones about it. Nope, I'm not the Messiah. But then he messes with them, right? He's somebody you don't know, which is kind of unnerving for them because they think they know all the people of power. And here's somebody they don't know who's going to be the great Messiah because they would want it to be you know, a Pharisee or somebody that they knew, someone in their line of people. But it's not. See, John knows something. John knows that, that leadership, who he is and what he does, is all in service to something else, to something greater, to something grander, to something more important than himself. And because that something else is Jesus the Messiah. He is absolutely unshakable when people come to challenge him and question him. He knows who he is and who he's not. And I think that we could all use more leaders like him. Leaders that see their office and their position to being about service. Not that they should be served, but rather that they are to serve others. That they're serving a greater cause that gives them energy and desire and tells them who they are. We see in John that he's not trying to get people to look at him, to point to himself. Rather, he's always pointing to the coming one, the Messiah. And strangely enough, I think we see in John a path to joy. So the first lesson I think that we can learn from John is, is that if we expect others to serve us, we're always going to be disappointed. Because people have this horrible way about not living up to our expectations, especially when they don't know them, right? And we have all these great expectations about Christmas. But are those expectations wrapped around a child in a manger? Are they wrapped around our desires? our wants, and our needs. Second thing that we can learn about how to find joy at Christmas is that we, as, as God's people, are called to be part of something bigger than ourselves. That, that our job is always to point to the center and not be the center. And the amazing thing about this is that we can all do this. We can all be a leader. We can all point to something bigger than ourselves and say, that is the way. By sharing our passion and our vision and our commitment and our offering, the things that God has given us to give and to use, we can all use those things to something greater than ourselves. 
we all have the opportunity to give ourselves away. Brings me back to those words from Paul. Rejoice always, pray unceasingly, give thanks in all circumstances. For that is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And as I pondered those words, I think I've been reading them wrong. Our temptation is to read those words literally or legalistically and see them as a prescription for our lives to which we're, we're falling short. Of course, that doesn't mean that we don't grieve. We do grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Rather, these words express the ordinary manifestation of the extraordinary Christian life of faith and hope. These words express the ordinary manifestation of the extraordinary Christian life of faith and hope. How do we get there? By remembering the gift of Christmas. Well, actually, it's two gifts. The gift of giving ourselves away. The gift of putting others first. The gift of loving others and caring for others. And the way that we are able to do that as God's people is that God doesn't expect us to, to climb up to him, to, to assert our value and our worth, to show that we're somebody worthy of being saved. Rather, God comes down to us. What more powerful a statement of your value and worth could there possibly be than the very creator of the universe who, who made the tree on which he was to die and made the hill on which he would be sacrificed, he enters into his own creation for you. You are worthy and you are valuable because the creator of the universe enters into his creation to tell you. So you can give yourself away. You know who you are. Loved of God and you know who you are not. So he sets us free. Sets us free from worrying about our value and our worth. Sets us free to care for others. To make sure that they know that they are valued and loved. And he invites us to be part of something bigger, his grand plan, his saving plan. And he gives us the words that we read just a moment ago from the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Claim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. What is God putting into your life this Christmas season? Who needs to know their value and worth? 
May God's spirit be on you, that you may proclaim their value and worth in Christ Jesus.